Hello, everyone, and welcome to We Have Solutions, an AT Helpdesk podcast brought to you by Neil Squire, a podcast where we talk about assistive technology, disabilities, breaking down barriers to accessibility, and more. On today's episode, we are joined by Nikia Singh. Nikia is an AT researcher, technician, and lifetime seeker of assistive technology solutions. We talk about living with disabilities, the AT Help Desk, International Day of Persons with Disabilities, Nikia's fascinating life story, and more. Nikia, how are you doing today? I am happening. It's a great Friday, and everybody loves Fridays. That's right. <laughs> and also International Day of Persons with Disabilities. Mm-hmm. All right. So, and we're going to talk a lot about that in a moment. But first, this is the first episode. So, you don't know who I am. Uh, I'm Siever. I work at the Neil Squire office in Fredericton, and I'm an AT writer. So, I write about AT and work on our typically weekly AT help desk publication, as well as manage the website. Tell me a bit about yourself, Nikia. Well, I, uh, I work uh, from uh, my home office here, uh, normally an AT researcher, uh, but also do uh, the AT help desk tech support, uh, getting everybody the help they need. Right. And you've had a, a bit of a more interesting journey with Neil Squire than other people, I think, certainly, certainly myself. Do you want to talk a little bit about how you learned about Neil Squire, how you, and, and I'm curious, actually, did you know about Neil Squire before the job opportunity? And tell me a bit about that. Uh, the answer for that is a no, <laughs> I certainly did it. Uh, I've done a lot of uh, work with the CNIB, like just various collaborations, uh, uh, working with them in their office before I worked uh, with them again, officially. So that uh, certainly not the first time working uh, with uh, the CNIB and at the CNIB. Uh, then um, I went through, and I'm trying to remember. It was a, it was a, oh my goodness. It was like a, a thing about, um, I don't know why I cannot remember this. Uh, it was a thing I went through because I was looking uh, for, you know, additional work. And it, um, so these people, um, you know, talk to uh, CNIB and, vers- and uh, kind of came, came up to Neil Squire. And then uh, I had the meeting with uh, Charles and Rebecca. And I, yeah, this was the first time that I heard about it. And when I did, I was really excited because this is like, this is right up my alley. This is like the thing I want to do. Uh, I, you know, it's almost like when you have, um, you know, a disability or a handicap or anything like that, uh, you kind of take this personal. <laughs> right so there's it's almost like there's no people you you'd uh, understand better or want to help more than those that are that are uh, struggling with a, a handicap because you know i can certainly understand that right so when the opportunity presented itself it was like well obviously because this is a subject matter that i'm intimately you know absolutely, aware of absolutely relatable in every way Yeah. And I think, and certainly for us, it's been really valuable to have you because you do get to appreciate that even when you're as, you know, focused and inclusive as possible, when you're able-bodied, there's going to be things that you're probably not going to notice. You know what I mean? So I think, you know, it makes us a better organization. I think in general, 
that's that's the case as well. And by the way, you mentioned Rebecca and Charles. Just to clarify for everyone that doesn't know, uh, that's our our boss and our colleague. And so uh, Charles has been running things here in the Atlantic region uh, for quite some time when it comes to the solution side of things. So we'll we'll have him on the podcast soon enough. Perhaps he'll be our person that we go over the history with. Certainly, uh, the history of the Atlantic region. He would be he would be good to to dive into some things. And so, um, and I mentioned too right at the beginning where this is our first episode and we're kind of toying with what the title is going to be because while we do work for Neil Squire, our sort of um, department that we live in is the solutions department, right, Nakia? And, um, you know, the kind of vehicle uh, or the forward-facing product that the solutions team has is the AT Help Desk website. Uh, so I wanted to talk a little bit about that really quick. Um, so the AT Help Desk website, it's www.athelpdesk.org. And, um, and I'll just read a little brief introduction here. Uh, so we're the New Brunswick-based division of the Neil Squire Society, like I mentioned. And basically, our services are designed to help you access up-to-date information about assistive technology, um, ultimately, our goal is to help reduce the employment gap for persons with disabilities by providing them with advice, access, up-to-date information, solutions for education and employment. Uh, we've created a few things. We've created a database of disability services in New Brunswick. So if you're listening from elsewhere, sorry, we're, uh, we're a little bit specific in that regard, but that information, and certainly there's lots of information that will be helpful for international, uh, our international audience. Our, our e-bulletins typically focus on apps that could be beneficial for anyone. Um, and again, just to dive in a little bit further to talk a little bit, a bit more about what the AT specialist might be able to do, because Again, Nakia, you're someone with a disability. And as you said, you hadn't heard of, of Neil Squire, right? So no. even people with dis disabilities, it's it's a niche community, isn't it? It is. It is. It's, it, it's, uh, it feels surprisingly small, but yet it, there are so many. Yes. Where, where really, when we get into it, we'll see that it's the reality is one in five people have a disability. Um, it, it, it is, it, it's so niche. And even within those niche groups of the disability world, you get even more niche with the vision disability, the mobility. Um, so lots of, lots of little subcategories and, um, and areas that people might not be familiar with. Uh, so again, we're talking about what does an AT specialist do? Uh, so they're, that's that's more or less what I am. What a lot of our colleagues in the uh, in the solutions department, we would be assistive technology specialists. A couple of the things we would do: we would answer AT questions, which is something that you do, Nikia, right? Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, exactly. And so you can go to our website, athelpdesk.org, and you'll find all our contact information. So if anyone anywhere in the world has any question about assistive technology, uh, you can go ahead and go to that website and ask us a question and we'll aim to get back to you within 24 hours. 
Um, so we answer those questions for people both internationally, nationally, locally. We also, you know, our main thing or one of our main things is to suggest AT options for people in our community. Um, so we have a lot of partnerships with organizations and with uh, EECD where we go into schools and provide some know-how, how-to training, um, suggestions. And, you know, we, we help provide those resources to people. Um, again, you know, that database that we've created for people in New Brunswick is an example of that because like we said, this is a pretty niche world. And so getting access to that information can be tough. Uh, and then finally, we also troubleshoot AT devices and, and programs. So um, kind of along the same line as answering AT questions where, you know, we can help uh, with suggestions. We can also help try and figure out why something is not working, which is something we commonly come across with uh, assistive technology and technology both, right? Yeah, so that's that's kind of the other uh, pillar of, of what we do there. So again, check out our website, athelpdesk.org. We've got a weekly mail out and um, lots of other information in there as well. Uh, so that's a little bit about the AT Help Desk. And I think we'll kind of, we'll kind of keep painting the picture more and more uh, as we go along, because like I mentioned, we work for Neil Squire. That's our organization. The AT Help Desk and Neil Squire Solutions is kind of our more specific uh, department that we're uh, that we work in. Uh, but yeah, we'll we'll try and paint that picture a little bit more and more as we go along. And like I said, hopefully in the next couple episodes, we'll have Charles on uh, to to help go through the uh, Atlantic timeline and then hopefully some other people for the international timeline as well. So uh, like I alluded to at the top of the episode, today is the International Day of Persons with Disability. Uh, so I wanted to kind of dive into that a little bit. Um, Nakia, I, I wanted to really talk to you about your experience. First of all, I kind of want to know, how how do you feel on this day what what does it feel like to be a person with disabilities on the international day of persons with disabilities you know uh it feels kind of uh special it feels good to be that 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 there is a day assigned for recognition that we're not just fading into the woodwork and uh it makes us feel like less of a minority i can very much appreciate that People find if they if they are uncomfortable, but if they are uncomfortable, the then what they will do is try to get away as soon as they can because they don't know what to do. Uh, yeah, it's like you're an alien. That's such a common defense mechanism in people, isn't it? Where if there's a situation that's remotely awkward or uncomfortable, or you might say the wrong thing, rather than try and and put yourself in there. The, re the reaction is to just try and run away, isn't it? That's right. So do you feel like days like this and the discussions that come around it kind of help with that? I find, I find they do help with that because uh, it's every day, it, uh, especially with some people, uh, like for example, I, I come off pretty and I don't know one, and then another word to say about it is, is quote, normal, end quote. Uh, 
you know, so people are like, oh, I didn't know you were visually impaired or this and that. You seem yeah. so normal. I mean, I mean, that's a common question. Like, how do you eat? I'm like the same right. way you do. do you, you, can you see your own mouth? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's interesting, Nikia, because uh, to, to kind of comment on that uh, from, you know, knowing you at least a little bit is I feel like you don't really make it a big part of your identity. Like no. you, you, if, if you had a relationship with you over the phone or you as a colleague and right now, I don't, I don't think of myself as talking to someone that can do any less or, or anything like that. You just, you feel like a very capable, normal, normal person. And so I think more people need to realize that, you know, people with low vision or people with disabilities, they're not just sitting there in the rain being sad. <laughs> No, not at all. I mean, I'm, I'm, unfortunately, I'm, I'm sure there are some, right? Especially those that, ha that are that have, you know, are newly disabled. Oh, interesting. Mm -hmm. uh, then they're like, okay, uh, I don't know how to do any anything. Now. Right. My life is so completely changed, and sometimes they can go to a dark place. Right. Without the proper help, um, or knowing that there is even help out there you know, the mind just goes places and it's not always good. Right. So it sounds like you've had some time to kind of process because I, I, I remember asking you about it and, and you've had vision issues since you were a very young, young boy, right? Oh yeah. I have no idea what it's like to see differently than I do now. Right. Um, so yeah, that whole uh, seeing a two eyes thing and depth perception. Uh, I mean, I can, mm talk about it to understand it in that regard but to experience it myself i have no idea what is your this might be a weird question but what does your first memory look like oh wow um like how i'm very curious as to how your mind would paint that picture of you know see things or it is as a photo is you know, it's uh, things are flat and captured as a camera would capture them. Uh, but my, my first memory, I remember being, you know, very small, uh, jumping on a, one of those hospital beds with the plastic curtain in front. Um, well, I think it was my mom talking to a doctor, but other than that, that's the last thing. And the only other memory that I can recall was being at the IWK waking up from surgery. Oh, can we start at the very beginning? Because I'm very interested. Like, can you walk me through how, like, kind of from your parents' perspective, if you can, how did it all start? What did they observe? How quickly? And can you take me through that timeline? Oh, wow. I'd really that. like that as much uh, as possible. Sure. Um, uh, as I was a kid, and uh, I guess they didn't really think much of it, uh, mm. even when I was in uh, kindergarten oh really talked about it uh when i was in grade one um i couldn't see what was on the board uh, i was able to you know convey that was and, it did it get worse like was it degenerative uh no okay it just was um so i i didn't know that anything was any different and it's like uh Yes, I, I know I can look in a mirror and say, yes, I have two eyes. Right. But not perceive that I was looking through both of them or one of them. Uh, what I mean, isn't that strange? Yeah. Uh, so then when I go to grade one and uh, I, I explain my this issue here, 
then the CNIB gets a hold of some people from APSI and they come to my school. And APSI is what's, can you give me the acronym? The acronym? I know. Or, or they're, they're, they're a vision <laughs> disability organization though, right? Uh, yes. Like they, they help out with like peoples that have, you know, this and they, uh, at this time when I was young, um, and this may sound strange to others that yeah. probably knew, uh, with, with various impairments, but when I was young, uh, they associated blindness with dumbness. Uh, yes. So they, they had you do all sorts of strange little tests to, you know, find out, you know, where you were on various, uh, invisible scales to me. Yeah. Uh, like for example, I remember, um, spinning on one, one knee with a car, mm -hmm. a woman hold up a sign that was like, stop or go. Okay. I could comprehend to stop or go. Like, of course I can do that. Yeah, of course I can do that. <laughs> so it was very strange. And then from there, uh, when I was still in grade one, uh, like I had a lot of problems and my teachers were, were very frustrated with me because yeah. I wasn't like the other students. Plus, uh, I was also, the, uh, my brother and I were the only brown kids. So double minority. Absolutely. Uh -huh. <laughs> uh, my brother, you know, uh, you know, we were called various things, uh, uh. names that I didn't bother perceiving, didn't, wasn't very offended by them, but my brother was. Oh, oh, I'm sorry to hear that. Right. And it's funny because my brother was a blind fighter at that time, which means he puts his head down and runs and you're going to start swinging. Right? Okay, gotcha. <laughs> Just something I would never do being okay. a visually impaired guy. So what had happened is uh, once they finished their assessments and things like that, I went to Sir Frederick Fraser School for, uh, for the blind. Right. Um, but it, um, it wasn't just for the blind and this was the old school yeah. and eventually, you know, I was in there for a long time and right. went down, built a new one, moved to that one. And we also had some deaf students in with us as well. So, so you were just lumped in. Oh yeah. We were, oh, it was a very, and we lived there. Yeah. We lived at this place. So I hardly saw my parents. Yeah. Maybe at Christmas time or something like that. So you can imagine not understanding, like perceiving the way I am as me. Yeah. Uh, not understanding things like, for example, um, you know, I, I bit my dad's toe when I was young and then he kind of went away. So I thought maybe that was my fault. Uh, yeah. So then I go to Sir Frederick Fraser school thinking, uh, well, I'm leaving my parents. I guess that was my fault. Oh man. Uh, you can imagine like a whole life of rejection. Not, yeah. You don't have parents except for Mr. Rogers. Right. Uh, on the TV, you're, you're parented by many, many other people in the facility. Right. As you live there doing uh, orientation and mobility, not just with a cane, but also through life skills. You had your own apartment, your own room up there. Right. Kind of thing. You were doing life. Yeah. Uh, learning all these various things to see what you could and could not do. But school was interesting. In the new school, we had a, another building outside that you went to. We had laptops before laptops were a thing. They were fat. They were heavy. Uh, the big bricks. Mm-hmm. 386s, 286s, 386s with Arctic voice. I was going to say with the green screens. Yep. Or, mm -hmm. or, or just uh, old, like, old liquid crystal. Really right. Old, like no color. Right. <laughs> uh, and talking elevators and all stuff. Because we were living in the future. Wow. Right? But I remember... Um, we would spend days with spools of paper just doing numbers. Just seeing as you can go as high as you go while a record was playing in the background. You, you would just do numbers all day. Huh? Yeah, that was just one of the things you did. It was very strange, but I'm like, I, we, we are capable. We can do more. Right. 
and then eventually in the new school um but like they kind of figured well if you have an interest in one thing we want to encourage that one thing right so with me it was computers and dalhousie university was very close because we were in uh, nova scotia right uh, so we had, uh, you know, university teacher would come in, say, you want to learn computer science and things like that. And like, anything computers, let me add it. Uh, so I was able to, you know, learn computer science before, you know, even getting into <laughs> university. Right. Interesting, but you just absorbed it at that age because it was something that was different than just numbers and lines, you know? That's a really good, that's a really good opportunity that the school gave you. It sounds like. Absolutely. Yeah. It just, you, you just ate that up. Yeah. Um, it, it was a great school. You had a lot of friends there. You're close knit friends. And, right. and because everybody had their own kinds of mixed, mixed bag of issues. And right. unfortunately, a lot of my friends have died. Mm. Um, so you, you sorry to hear that. One of those things. Just a lot of, a lot of poor physical health, a lot of. Yes. Yes. Mm. Or, or uh, some of my blind friends also didn't grow physically. So they really? were small. Some of them were small. Some of them were in wheelchairs. And, yeah. and you know, some would die later on and some would die sooner than others. And it was just felt like your friends were coming in and going out. So you, you didn't really have anything to ground you. Right. You were just kind of living. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, a completely different experience uh, living at Sir Frederick Fraser. And how old were you when you were when you graduated from there or when you were done oh, there. Wow. How old was I? Huh. <laughs> that seems like a mystery too. Huh. I was going back and forth um, so much. And then eventually when Sir Frederick Fraser finally closed, and I can't remember which year that was, they put me back in high school. Oh, okay. They also put me back to the beginning of high school, oh. years behind. Oh, that's. <laughs> to say that, you know, you know, you better just start them from the base of high school. Oh, boy. You know what I mean? So I was older getting out of high school and things like that. Right. Uh, older than, you know, normal because they wanted to make sure that, you know, I could do things. I'm like, what, it, you know, what wasn't I supposed to learn and do over there? But it turns out it's, uh, and no offense to, um, to Sir Frederick Fraser, but, you know, it was a facility. Mm -hmm. Or at first, its name was uh, the Asylum. So Ugh. it was a place to put people. Yeah, it really wasn't good point. A place to learn. So they pushed me back, you know, all the years of high school and then eventually gone through that, college and all this other stuff, you know, and just you're doing life after this right. huge break of time. I didn't realize they put you in high school uh, from the beginning after, like that. And uh, like, you're an intelligent guy. What was that like being well, in that, high school? Yeah. That was hard. Yeah. Not because high school, like the work was hard. Right. It's because uh, you, you'd, again, you're around people who associate with people that are normal. Yes. So you could have people, um, you know, they're, they're could be trying to get your attention with their eyes. I guess that's a thing. Right. You know, uh, or you could catch somebody's eyes that are looking at you from across the room and you, you make eye contact and you communicate. I right. Know that's a thing. <laughs> yeah. You've heard about that. You right. Know? Yeah. High school is awkward and hard for most of us. So the yes. idea of you having the vision uh, challenges that you did, because like it, what you were just saying uh, before you were cut off was you were making a joke about eye contact and, oh, I heard, you know, it was the thing that people use eye contact to signal and like just dating alone, 
you know, there's so much eye contact and body language. Mm-hmm. Having that be gone from the equation, I just cannot imagine what that would what that would be like trying to connect with other humans. Um, that's just it. Um, it didn't happen very much unless there were friends that I had from childhood that recognized me. And right. it was like a lot of people knew who I was, but I didn't know them. Right, right. Uh, because I may have never actually met them. You live a life that's kind of alienated from others unless they get to know you from friends you already have from childhood that might have been there that already know. Right. Or maybe they're in your class and they kind of get it, but don't really get it because the vision the, their their expectation is you're a blind guy with a cane. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Not a visible, not a guy who's walking around like them, who has a laptop, who generally has the same mannerisms as they do, but can't p- perceive you. Right. Um. Can't wave to you. Cannot identify you unless they're you know within my range of vision. Right. Uh. So yeah, there was no dating or anything like that. Right. Um unless a person kind of came up to you like eye contact of course that's normally the first line of engagement it wasn't there so you generally come off like a snob when you when that's never your intention right right but yeah, and so high school yeah. different high school very different so and i have i have a follow-up question i want to ask but let's let's keep on with the timeline so hmm. high school you started you started you were older so you were an older kid blind yep. again so must have you know, you felt very different. I'm sure you probably, yeah, oh, yes. you, you'd, you would stick out a little bit. You're, and you're a very, t- you're a tall d- guy as well. So physically you kind of stand out as well. That's right. So that would be, that would be a very interesting uh, dynamic. Well, what I would do mostly <laughs> is hang out in the library uh-huh. um, because it was quiet. And yes. um, if anyone was to engage with you, it would, it would most likely be just one-on-one. Right. Good point. Uh, which would be nice because then you have time to, you know, explain things and help them to understand. Right. Uh, you know, what's going on. And you uh, know, the rowdy jocks aren't going to be found in the library. So you're good. No chance. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Never had uh, any issues so much with, uh, with uh, aggression or That's people good. wanting to fight or yeah. anything like that. It was just, it was never a thing. Cause I never bothered with anybody. Yeah, because, uh, unless it was theater arts. Right, you right. Know, like theater arts was really great at that because, well, yet again, you can't see people in the audience, so there's oh. nothing to be worried about, right? Oh, so that's just great. Excel at that. Oh, so you did a bit of theater arts, huh? Oh yeah, love theater. Oh, mm-hmm. I feel like you have a a voice for theater. Oh yes, <laughs> yeah, it was a lot of fun. I remember even uh, dressing up as Barney in one of those really big costumes for the kids at one time. Oh, fun. Yeah, that was neat. And they'd come in and they want to hug you. And it was just adorable. Right. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's uh, what was it like seeing out of that thing? <laughs> uh, it was different because uh, yet again, it's uh, where the mouth was. It had this black kind of oh, screen yes. thing and you saw through that. Right. But yet again, it still obscures your vision. Of but course. You, you tap into your other senses to make up for the uh, awareness that you lose. Right. So, yeah. And, and I mean, if, uh, you know, you're bumping into things, a, a big giant Barney bumping into things is probably going to do nothing but delight the children anyways. That's right. <laughs> but thankfully, I never did. Oh, no way. No, not at all. You were always good, eh? <laughs> because yeah, I'm so used to seeing out of the right side of me, I account oh. for the left. You know? interesting whereas so, i know a lot of people when they cover yeah. the ride they're like their equilibrium is shot right but and you've had just, to get used to 
an imbalanced that's equilibrium. Right. Uh-huh. That's right. And uh, I also had nystagmus too when I was very young, and it was very difficult to control. And that's right. a, sh- uh, a very harsh shaking of the eye. Oh. So it's like you're in an earthquake. Whoa. Yeah. That would be very uncomfortable to exist yes. with. I would that's think. right. So you learn to focus that. You learn to control it. Right. You know? Right. But thankfully, uh, uh, one thing about me um, as was ever since I was young and um, I can honestly say that what I perceived as the rejection and everything right. uh, has caused me to want to overcome everything that comes my way. That's a positive uh, so outlook. I always try to find ways to overcome anything that no- people do normally or easily. Right. I would find a way that I could get it done even in the dark. Uh <laughs> It's like trying to teach uh, fully sighted people how you brush your teeth, um, you know, without seeing. Right. You know, how do you do that? <laughs> right, right. Yeah, like there's so many techniques and they're like, oh, is, you, you enlighten them when you tell them how you do things. And uh, they're like, oh, I get it. Okay, that's really mm. neat. You know? Yeah. Yeah, I've always it's, noticed it's that. It's a whole world. Yeah, I've, I've noticed that about, about you in particular, that um, you're you're not really about the the barriers kind of thing. You're just you know, you're so excited about the solutions that that's kind yes. of your focus. Yeah. I, I, I see a barrier as a challenge, right? I must overcome it. That's just right. who I am. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so, and so that was high school, did a little theater mm. arts. So you're, so it sounds like at least through that, you were able to find a bit of a community in, in within high school. Uh, yeah, I had a, I had a few friends there, a couple that, of friends, uh, um, high school. I, uh, I can say that I had a semi-normal life in high right. school. Right. You know, I, I know, and, and I don't know if it's okay to mention here, so I'm just going to put a small disclaimer yeah. right just here. Yeah. Um, but uh, I had a friend. Um, you know, um, we would poke each other with pencils in class. Um, you know, yet again, you're you're trying to live. A life that's a little bit more exciting than the norm, especially yeah. given what I've what I've been through. Yeah. Uh, so we did many things that you shouldn't do in classrooms. Uh, uh, you know, when the teacher isn't looking. And the uh, best part about it is, I <laughs> even, I'm gonna know when just by the 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 footfalls, the posture, all this other thing, without looking, to know <laughs> when the teacher isn't looking. It just oh, kind of works funny. out like that. That's so, so funny. You, you may take a drink, or you may guys all may get together and behind the dominion you get to know the the person who brings in all the groceries and you can uh-huh. sit back there and you you know and whatever <laughs> i love it i love it i love that because it's like oh i still i still got into some trouble i did um <laughs> I, it's like trouble but not in trouble right, with the police right. oh which yeah, was yeah. nice just light trouble but i that's right but trouble. i do remember a time i was on the uh, west side yeah. And I was going home from my friend's house and it was dark. And sometimes the darkness can change everything. Is that the West side of St. John? Or? That's right. Okay. And, um, I was in, a, I ended up in a place where I didn't know where I was. Oh no. Um, but yet again, um, thanks to my RPG heritage, uh, role games, <laughs> a lot of that comes to asking questions. Right. So I just went to the first house and I just said, could you please call the police? Oh, really? I don't, I'm a visually impaired person and I do not know where I am. Yeah. And that was no problem. They weren't, once you said you're visually impaired or blind, you don't know where you are. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I, and I did have my cane. I generally keep my cane at my hip at least 
you know, as, as like people perceive what this thing is and it almost, and I hate to say it, but it seems like because they expect you to have one of these as a blind person, it genuinizes your, your, your visual impairment or blindness. For sure. It's part of our, our idea of what you should look like. Yeah. That's exactly right. Yeah. So, and I knew that how people expect to perceive me. Right. Which took away any of the, any of the fear when I came to this person's door and I just explained to them. And I also, and I, and yet again, I know it's going to sound weird, but yeah, you behave blind for their sake. Oh, wow. I'm, okay. That's really interesting. It's like, so, so I may not gesture with my head as much, or I may just keep my eyes closed and kind of look not, you know what I mean? You kind of keep your head straight because you're, you're more attentive with your ears now. So I right. close my eyes, use my ears and just be blind. Yeah. Yeah. So you're because physically if I, anything different. They'll think yeah. I'm faking or, you know, it could go bad. Wow. That's so really police, interesting. Yeah. So you need, you need to, and I, I this is what I felt I had to do yeah. was to cater to their expectation. Right. Which obviously is, is hopefully, you know, changing more and more. And I think it is our yes. vision of what a blind person should act like, but yeah. Isn't that so interesting how, you know, in, in no matter what group you're in, we find mm-hmm. that we have to fit into these roles and right. we find that uh, humans are not always great at understanding unique roles and And since i needed help and i wanted to make sure that you know if i fit this criteria their expectations will be met uh so when the officers came i stayed in the porch and uh uh they uh came over and i you know i grabbed his elbow yet again it was unnecessary for me to do that right and he led me to the back of the car and i got in and there was no trouble at all right uh, when i came home uh, my mom's like, oh, yeah, the, the police are bringing you home. What did you do? I said, nothing. I asked them to bring me home. <laughs> and it's they like, did. It's like, actually, I've got a superpower, mom. <laughs> yes. My use my specialized blindy sense <laughs> to uh, right. have the officers take me home. That's right. Yeah. Your own personal yeah. taxi service, man. Yeah, it was wonderful. Yeah. I'm I, I didn't feel bad or awkward or ashamed or anything being in the cop car. I was happy that, that somebody was going to take me home. Well, and they probably were happy to have that call rather than pretty much any other call. Right. Absolutely. And that, that well, I remember the fellow mentioning that too. It's like oh, better good, really. you than some, you know, like punk in the back alley. <laughs> so isn't that, isn't that kind of a, a good lesson, a good thing to hear for people, for the people with disabilities of the category that, never want help like right you you've got to realize and and it doesn't it goes further than people with disabilities i'm like this in my own way too you've mm-hmm. got to realize that you know there is help available and no one's got ahead just from from blank with no help you know what i mean it, the the jeff bezos of the world the elon musks of the world they had opportunities they had help at you mm-hmm. know some points in their life so that's there's you know you should accept that help because that's that's your way of getting ahead we we're in this world where it's not always easy to get ahead even for an able-bodied person let alone that's someone right. with disabilities and i think you've got to seize any opportunity you you're given mm-hmm. don't you 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 really do uh, and, and and a person should never think less for having to do that uh if there's more of them around and I, and I always had this mindset where it's like, okay, well, this is their world. And I'm just, I'm just in it for a while. Right. Cause I, you know, it's those times where you just feel that you don't fit. 
Yeah. Uh, so what I would do is go, well, there's so many of them, you know, then I'm going to have them help me out. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Well, that's and good that you using is like the only word I can say, but it's not in any harsh term. It's like, no, you guys are all available with your supervision. Yeah. And, and uh, I wish that they would use that vision better. <laughs> <laughs> I find a lot of them don't. Oh, interesting. Uh, what do you mean by that? Oh, okay. For example, yeah. I, I was in a um, um, drugstore. Yeah. Shoppers. And uh, I was uh, at the, uh, I was picking up some mail. Uh, from um, you know they have a delivery right in the back there mail uh and there was a lady who was behind me uh so i turned to my right so i could see her i always want to make sure that i turned to my right because that's right. my good side right uh so when i did i walked past her um close but she had her back to me and she and uh, i stopped because she was gonna back right into me and she did <laughs> and she turned around <laughs> She turned around and she said, they, hey, what are you blind? I said, actually, oh my yes, God. because she didn't look down to see that I had my cane. Oh, no. Yeah. Uh, uh, that was pretty embarrassing for her. And I said, actually, oh, yeah. yes. And it's pretty and odd once you look at your face and, and like talk to you for a minute. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, and it was just like an oof uh, <laughs> to the stomach and everyone just looking at her with the death uh, stare because everybody just all crammed into this line yes, right so uh -huh. it was easy for me to see them all and they were uh -huh. giving her the nastiest look uh, i bet she wishes she could just escape that situation yes i'm sure a lot of people wish they could <laughs> well i'm glad you got to you got to use that and probably probably with a half a smile on your face at least <laughs> oh yes uh, actually yes, ma'am i am <laughs> because i always say that uh when i'm with my friends uh yeah. that there are a lot of uh uh, I, I, they have all this vision and they misuse it, oh. take it all for granted, you know, but they don't seem to value any of their other senses. Their, their environmental and situational awareness is lacking. Yes. Yeah. Ah, uh, that's true. Yeah. You probably, you're probably acutely aware of senses and oh, yes. yeah. And just, um, yeah, knowing how to use them and, and, and just being aware of them, I think it, when you think about it, we're not really aware of our senses as able-bodied people. We take, we just, they're there. We're used to it. We're not, I'm not reflecting on my vision in, in a given day, right? I'm not thinking, oh, that's amazing that I can perceive this color and this, you know, shape pattern, et cetera. Mm -hmm. So yeah, we never, we, we never as able-bodied people reflect on that, but as someone with a disability, you probably reflect on it a heck of a lot. That certainly, and and even when it comes to um, um, the accessibility things around where I live, yeah, um, not just my home, but you know, in, around the city, you know, if the paint is on the top or the bottom of a of a step where it should be, or if the right. or if the railings of a staircase align with the bottom step, you know, um, all these things like that mark ramps, right? Um, you know, just things to help guide people whether with low vision or no vision right just certain ways that things there are standards and it's they're not met because it's a sighted world and they don't understand you know how a person who doesn't have you know predominantly the vision sense uh to navigate right their their playground 
<laughs> yeah. And that's, that's really interesting. And that's something again, that uh, me as an able-bodied person never considered. So kind of what I'm picking up on is you're saying even things so simple as how you paint patterns in a building could be mm-hmm. incredibly helpful or not. And as able-bodied people, we're just, we just kind of think we're just flipping about it and, Oh, that looks good. I like that. We're really, mm-hmm that built-in universal design if we applied that could be huge for people with uh, oh oh, yes like for example you know how normally there are on staircases or ledges um Mm -hmm. like little edges they have they spray paint the top of it right to indicate yes this is a step up this is like the standard but some people got it in their head to paint just below that Hmm. so when you put your foot on that line to step up you're actually not stepping up and you'll hit your toe on the actual step up, <laughs> you know, because the paint is supposed to be on top to indicate like this is a heightened ledge, right? Lower, you know, and it, and it's not, it's not correct, and you you know you'll stub your toe on it and pro- and maybe fall down on it. Like there are uh, standards that are done that are not done right. Interesting. <laughs> yeah, you get a lot of stuff like that. Yeah, I would imagine, mm. um, and. Uh, so, and we kind of, we got off topic, which is fine. That's, that's what uh, happens in a podcast, but I'm, I'm interested because I'm really interested in your timeline. Um, so your high school now, let's say at this point, you're, you're ready to graduate high school. What was, what was the process like graduating high school? Let's, let's kind of fast forward a bit to your, to your last years there. Where you, what, what were you preparing for? And I want to know. Uh, I wanted, I wanted to continue, um, you know, moving on with, uh, with life and right. education, but I didn't know mm-hmm. what that looked like. Right. Uh, so I talked to a few people again to find out, you know, how can I do this? How, you know, where can I go to, you know, to college or university where, you know, what would be good for me, you right. know, a, a quiet environment, not too crowded. I- inevitably it worked out. I went to college first and that was at, uh, NBCC St. Andrews. Right. I literally lived across the street from the door. Okay. Which was beautiful. Yes. Um, And one thing I realized about college and university is that the teachers don't care whether you show up or not. No, they don't. I always showed up, but I also gathered that they don't care what you wear. Oh, God, no. (laughs) Oh, it's what happened. Uh, So I (laughs) would just get up, do all all sorts of whatever, and just walk across the street in my pajamas. Right, right. Uh, they were fine with that. They didn't care. Right. <laughs> you're there. Yeah. You got your laptop. You're ready to go. Yeah. <laughs> who's gonna call, Who's gonna call out the blind guy on his outfit? It's like, dude, right. I I don't care what I wear. Uh, and yeah. So. <laughs> yeah, all the things that matter to you don't matter to me. <laughs> that's that's and this is kind of a really bit of a silly aside, but what have mm-hmm. you found that people with vision? Is that common? Like, like that people with vision, they're kind of like, oh, just, I just want to be warm and comfortable. I just want to wear something that feels good on my skin, or I really want to look good. What's, do you find there's a big, uh, how does Actually, that usually play? It's, out? it's a divide. Yeah. Um, I wear whatever is comfortable. Right. And you know, I, I like dark colors because they're easier to match anyway. Right. I'm not a fashion person. Right. However, I also help out with this app called Be My Eyes for the visually impaired. Yes, exactly. So people will uh, call you up and they're like, you know, um, I want to wear the, a red sweater and I'm not sure which one of them it is. Right. Uh, and then, you know, I, I guide them. Thankfully, I know how to guide people who cannot see well 
right. you know, with description to help them, you know, get to the thing they, they want. <laughs> and uh, it breaks into the point where we have this conversation. Yeah. Even when we're, they're picking the thing that, oh yes, I'm visually impaired. Uh, so I understand, you know, how, oh. you know, how to help you with this and that. And they ask you other things while you're on that same call, you know, well, how do you do this? I'm, I'm, I'm new. I lost my vision at, you know, maybe two months ago and all this. Right. And they're like, you know, how do you, how do you deal with it? You know, and you, right. you help them out. So it kind of goes beyond just the initial uh, call for help when it comes to picking out a red sweater. Right. But yeah, some people care a lot about, you know, because they still want to be, as normal as possible. Absolutely. And I completely understand. So they, you know, I want to match my clothes. They want right. to match their clothes. And so it almost, it almost care. seems, yeah, it almost seems like that really the, the disability itself kind of, it kind of doesn't matter. It's just people are people. Some people want to care about what they dress. Like some people don't, it has nothing to do with if you have vision. It's very not. true because uh, some of us are, are, uh, are very OCD about where we put our things. So we're easy to find. And some of us, uh, some of us, uh, I've seen some rooms. Yeah. Uh, I was like, no wonder you can't find anything. So it has nothing <laughs> to do with your visual impairment. Uh, this yeah. place is a disaster, you know? <laughs> oh, man, I would love to have a walkthrough of your bedroom and how you organize your things sometime. Yeah. It would be, it'd be would very to, like, interesting. Show that in video too. so you can check it out. I'm yeah, about to would... redo my whole office like fairly soon anyway. Oh, cool. You must, you so, must put a lot of thought into how things are organized. I must. Yeah. Yeah. If, yeah, I don't want to have to, it's almost like uh, when I do anything like, or yeah. even if it's a windows operating system, I go through every little thing through every possible little branch so I can read it, understand it and never have to read it again. Right. So then it's just, you have your navigation down to button presses and patterns. Right. So you never need to look. Right. Again. Right. <laughs> Aha. I gotcha. That's right. Uh, it's yeah. It's like uh, learning how to um, do touch typing. Exactly. Yeah. And 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 like touch typing, you want to learn it once and never do it again. <laughs> That's exactly right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, so so you went to college for a bit, NBC St Andrews, and what what were you mm -hmm. studying? Uh, it was computer systems uh, uh, the computer mm -hmm. systems technician. Right. In the computer system support. So, so you'd support be like an IT specialist, sort of. That's right. Okay. Okay. So you so, did that. What was what was your college experience like? Um, there was a lot of uh, quake. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of doom. The video games on old okay. land PCs. Uh huh. Right. It was like, hey, can the blind guy play games? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. There weren't a lot of pixels yep. back then either. So <laughs> that's right. So they were big and chunky. Yeah, exactly. That's right. So that was no problem. But yeah, um, teachers were really cool. Uh, I was able to sit in front. Nobody, nobody, like our classes were fairly small and I right. got to know everybody very easily as yep. we were when we were in group sessions and things like that, partnered with other people. And it was such right. a small group yep. that it, uh, you know, everybody get to, got to understand how I operate and the teacher didn't care. She's like, oh, here's what's on the board. Is a, you know, a handout. You cool with that? Oh yeah, that's great. Thanks. Yeah. You know, kind of thing. And you probably uh, felt being in that program that a lot of your peers were a lot more like you than in high school, right? It, it was, but then the contrast happened again because oh. it was it like, ah, oh, I can't, I can't get this in. I go, what, what, what are you doing? You can turn on a whole PC around. What are you doing? Yeah. Give me that cord. 
Oh, <laughs> interesting. And you just put it back there and like, oh, I don't know what's wrong with this thing. Well, I'll say, I can tell you right now that the fan is hitting the grill. Uh, that fan's going to burn itself out. Uh, you know? So you need to tighten that. Check the ball bearings. So did yeah. that present did that present itself as as an issue that made you realize maybe like the physical, you know, taking apart computers and stuff might be might be hard or or were you able to adapt to that or how did that work? Oh, out? well, I was taking apart computers and all that stuff well before I got oh, there. Oh, okay. Good, good. <laughs> yeah, so it was it was no problem at all and I was able to navigate it all completely without without looking. Right. And I would always feel the back of the PC and tell somebody what they had. Or what was right. going on back there without ever having to look or turn it around or anything and it always blew people's minds it's like right. i could tell what's going on inside the pc without even opening it interesting because <laughs> yeah, all, all the all the parts well all the moving parts they you know there's certain noises ah yeah. so you're so once again using your other senses to mm -hmm. to figure things out and that's yeah and with computer things that's a good point with with uh, computers uh, the the audio is a pretty good like you can hear when a disk drive is not functioning properly that's right? right you sure can yeah and probably you can probably very acutely you know hear that i would yes. i would imagine i can definitely tell when there's activity you uh -huh. know, when there's various processing going on oh yeah right so so you were doing so you did i you studied it what is that a two-year program uh uh was it probably two or three years right i can't remember <laughs> <laughs> it was back in 99 wow okay okay it was a minute yeah. ago <laughs> yeah it was a while all right so so you did that and so you did a couple of few years we'll say and what was mm -hmm. your what was your next move after that oh what did i do after that yeah uh messed around a lot with doing some um not not dj work is yeah well i guess it is and huh. isn't uh, just some radio work oh cool yeah uh did some cbc yeah um uh, and back uh and they needed uh they needed somebody chsj oh yeah chsj was a thing and yeah. i really wasn't a country guy but you learn to appreciate some of it uh-huh you know, as you're there, <laughs> you can't get political, Nikki. I'm holding my comments back. No politics. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you know, okay, so like, that was, that'd be fun, man. Though, like of of all the gigs for a guy with uh, low vision, I would think being a DJ would be kind of a sweet gig. It actually was. So what I would do is when the um, when the uh, I guess uh, when I wasn't working there quite yet. I wanted to come in so when a person wasn't doing anything, I could go around the room and feel the equipment. Oh, cool. And I want to look at what all the stuff does. And yeah. once I've seen it, uh, then, you know, just learn the process of this equipment. Right. And uh, the rest would be easy because now I already have it memorized. Right. And then it's just, uh, you know, say things related to this or they would have sheets. You, say, you got to say this. Okay, does it gotta be exactly like that? Because if it does, and then they really it didn't. They say they just get the point across. You can improv, go nuts. Right. <laughs> so that you know that was really great. Uh, so yeah, radio work was a lot of fun. Right. Although uh, probably not a lot of work to be had doing that, I would imagine. Right. Uh no. Yet yeah. Yet again, radio work very niche. Yeah. You know, kind of thing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. 
not a lot, not everybody wants to do that kind of thing, I guess. Right. Well, and just, well, yeah. And I mean, the hours are kind of, are kind of weird. And, you know, when you wake, you know, waking up that early, although your, your hours obviously are a bit different anyway. So maybe, mm-hmm. maybe you'd be okay for that. So you did yeah. that, you did that for a little bit and then, so keep, uh, let's, this has become the Nakia show, by the way. So if you haven't uh, figured that out at this <laughs> well, point. Well, I'm honored. Yeah. <laughs> so, so what's, what's going on after that? Oh, what did I do after that? Uh, then I started doing some things at the CNIB. Okay. Uh, and because uh, I was there a lot. Right. So that'd be uh, what early two thousands. Yes, I had mm-hmm. an interrent. Mm-hmm. As uh, I don't I know that what, term. Yeah, interrent. Uh, that. Uh, well, it was somebody from APSI. Oh, Okay. And uh, so when I when I was at high school, which by the way, up. just really quick, I looked it up. Atlantic Provinces Special Education Authority. So it's the, it's a joint agreement between the Atlantic provinces and they deal with um, children and youth who are deaf, hard of hearing, blind, visually impaired. Just want to clarify that. Sorry. Yeah. Um, so I remember um, um, because I didn't really have a contact with my dad, I remember right. uh, going to ET when it came out mm. and I remember getting a, it was like a car with a radio in it, you know, the, right. you know, it's just one of those things. Yeah. Uh so he, when I had an interrent, he felt like my big brother. Ah. So we would go out places and, and kind of do social things. Nice. Because I didn't, you know, yes, I had friends at school, but we never right. really hung out. Right, right, right. Right. <laughs> so we would kind of go out and hang out together and stuff like that. Just to kind of do. Right. right? So that's fun. That's, so you're working. that's when I was in. Go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. When that's when I was like, I think it was, that was through when I was going back those three years of high school. Yep. Um, which actually felt like four or five. Huh. Uh, <laughs> uh, so even in the, I had him through high school because I forgot to mention him. Uh, college, I did not. Um, I was kind of on my own at right. college and after. That was right. that. Um, um, so what was it after after the DJing thing? Yeah, CNIB. And yeah. I would spend a lot of time at the CNIB just kind right. of hanging out. Uh, if somebody had a particular question or think that uh, what kind of magnifying glass would work work for them right i know they already have a specialist there that can help them get what they need right but it's different when you're talking to somebody who is actually visually impaired inside the building right uh like the manager that used to work there he he had a visual impairment too uh but then you know then i was there for you know other younger people or i just had another way of explaining or expressing it that seemed more relatable right uh so they felt comfortable talking to me and I would sit there, you know, for as long as it took for them to feel comfortable with a particular device, mm-hmm. uh, talk to them about any other questions they may have, like, how do you do this? How do you do that? You know, how do you deal with it? Yep. All that. Cause they would come when they're, they're, they're what we call new blind. Uh-huh. <laughs> so they're like, you know, what kind of devices would you think I would need or how can I do this? And I would be the guy that would talk to you for all that. Or right. if CNIB even had calls about a particular thing, you know, what would be available for this or what for that? And that's something I always kept up and on and knew. Right. So I would hang, you know, I would be there and help people get what they needed. So it was, you know, it was a whole different thing. Must have um, been a sense of community around that. Yes. Uh, the CNIB would have like uh, really neat to have parties and all sorts of other people around the neighborhood would come by who were visually impaired that you never really associated with. Right. Uh, they're just kind of, a lot of them were probably uh home bodies and a lot of them right. were yeah you know it's just the whole idea of going out and doing just seemed 
too amazing. Right. Yeah, and I thought that was really too bad. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It seemed like they didn't have the same like lifestyle or upbringing that I did going to Sir Frederick Fraser School or anything like that. They just kind of uh-huh. were were blind or visually impaired and just kind of doing life and right. being sheltered. So it almost sounds like you're saying that you you observed a lot of people just surviving where you're trying to thrive. Yes. And that like must I, hurt. I never wanted to just yeah. exist. Like, yes, it's not mm-hmm. enough. I, I want to live. No, of course not. So, yeah, so that must that must be really that must hurt you in a way seeing people just kind of existing. Yes. And it breaks my heart that their hearts are breaking that they think that their life is over. Right. Exactly. It's all about the frame, isn't it? It really is. And I would I would empathize with them completely. Right. And, uh, you know, I'm, I, I'm here's my number personally. If right. You have, you know, an issue where you're trying to overcome something. Call me so I can help you do it. Right. Yeah. So that's no problem. Do you do you ever feel like your um, familiarity with the digital world gives you a, a means of of escape and a means of getting beyond that just surviving like do you do you do you know what i'm getting at you and your knowledge of computers and that digital realm do you think that's helpful yes. for that uh yes it it is an extension yeah um in a, you know and the more uh the more your personality shines the more you can express beyond you know into that into that kind of world or setting uh, right. you make friends online exactly Um, exactly and your personality shines out there that's right you know yeah absolutely it's a huge help and i would think that you would there'd be lots of times you know you could be get involved in communities and talk to people online where a they don't even know and b it doesn't even matter that you're visually impaired like it doesn't even affect the relationship because of the that's right digital nature of it some know and some don't and, and they they can't believe it it almost feels How like do you do it. Right, right. <laughs> I would I would almost feel like, yeah, it must it would feel and, and again, talking about your heartbreaking for people that are just existing. Like, mm. I think when it comes to existing in the digital world as a person with disabilities, of course, you know, there are accessibility barriers. But, you know, being online and and being in that world, it, it kind of helps get rid of some of those barriers, doesn't it? It does. It really does. And uh, it crushes the loneliness. Ah, uh, yes. Yeah. Because like sometimes uh, when you are visually impaired or blind, darkness is all you see and have, and you can fall into yourself. Yes. Mm-hmm. You got to do everything to prevent that. Yes. And that can be difficult. Right, right. Yeah. And it's, fun- and it's funny because we're all going through that, I think, right now, right? We're two years into COVID. A lot yeah. of us, you know, are, are very sheltered. And so I think it's, it's not even, you know, just people with disabilities that, that need that. So that's, that's true. Um, you know, some have resorted to TikTok. Oh, like, do you mean like there's like a, a blind TikTok community sort of thing? Or? Uh, yeah. Oh, know, okay. the, um, yeah. They're, um, we're everywhere. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It's, it's so yep. funny. It's again, just like the, the clothes thing, my, my kind of uh, dumb question about, you know, do a lot of people that are blind care about their clothes? It's kind of, it, it really, it's with the TikTok thing. It's like, 
if you were if you were visually impaired or not, Nakia Singh probably wouldn't be a dude that'd be on TikTok. So it's like we're yeah. just people. We're just people. <laughs> and another thing too is that I I I get asked um and when they find that I'm visually impaired um right. like online right is um now they go I don't mean to be insulting or anything like that but like are there attractive blind people? <laughs> I know that sounds weird. Interesting. I go, well, we are people. We just lack vision. I'm going to, uh-huh. I'm going to probably going to throw that out there and say, yeah, there are, there are very attractive blind people. Yeah. That's an incredibly dumb question. <laughs> very dateable blind people with great personalities. Uh-huh. Yes, absolutely. Uh huh. That's a, <laughs> that, that must be one of the dumber questions you would get. I would think. That one well, kind of makes yeah, me but I don't bit. I don't condescend them because like, they're good. in a they're in a completely different world from me. Yeah. Um, so I guess it's just they when they don't they don't see a lot of people with canes out there because you know, they're either inside and in, in the ones that are maybe they they don't think they're they're attractive. Like, well, you know, are there any attractive blind people? Well, yeah, of course there are. And <laughs> it and my reaction is to say, God, that's such a dumb question. Um, which you know. <laughs> It kind of is, but it really what it plays into more than anything is again that perception that a blind person or a person with disabilities should be like a sad person sitting in the rain with their head down. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Where it's like, no, there's we're confident, normal, attractive, but also uh, fallible and flawed. It's we're all just people. There are blind people with like incredible high up jobs right exactly yeah (laughs) yeah exactly now and then obviously you know you have more you know we have to recognize though at the same time you do have a lot more barriers right so it's like yeah you're just people on the inside you're just people which is almost that makes it harder right because on the inside your emotions are the exact same but then the Mm -hmm. world that you exist in presents all these more barriers where you still have the same feelings as anyone else, but you've got to, you've got to have those feelings, you know, checked and, and uh, you know, all the time. Yes. And and I I always perceive it like the world is not built for me. Right. Exactly. So I need to find a way to overcome it all. Has that in the past 20 years, you know, let's say, cause you said early two thousands, you were, you were starting at CNIB. Have you, how have you felt about that shift or has there been a shift? It has, it, you know, it has been difficult, mm-hmm. uh, mostly because as each stage of life and new environments always, you know, present new challenges. And like, uh, as that thing I've always said, like, how do you stay cool while screwing up? Ah. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, and how do you do it without embarrassing yourself? Right. You know, or, or, or embarrassing others by, I don't know, maybe there's something that they perceive as embarrassing about you. Right that you don't um like a lot of people may think you're rude because you're not making eye, to- eye contact with them and that's how they know you're listening but I know, that's a poor way of saying that the person's listening because they're making eye contact in fact right. that makes no sense at all right right yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's it is interesting yeah i mean there's so many visual cues so many cues that are so um, behind the surface, I, I guess I would say that, uh, yeah, it would be, it would be hard to pick up. And it's like, what do you do? You know, wear a t-shirt that says, you know, Hey, I might not be looking at you, but I'm listening. <laughs> That's right. It happens a lot in school. Yeah. They think I'm sleeping if, oh, I'm listening with yes. my eyes closed. 
Right. So they'll come and smash a ruler on your desk or something, which I do not react to because I know what's coming. That's funny. Yeah. Right. You hear the and footfalls like, getting sharper and closer. That's right. And angrier. And I don't move my head or anything, even right. though it would be natural for me to do that. Right. I just didn't. And my reaction is just as kind of bland and boring. And like, what that was the answer to the question. It's like, your question was this. And here's the answer to your question. <laughs> right. Right. You know, and they're like, yeah, I'm going to get you one day. Right. <laughs> So no, because I won't be asleep. No. So so at this point in your life, Ben, you're at you're at CNIB. You're you're an adult, right? And like, how mm -hmm. old are you at this point? You're what? In your mid twenties or? Oh wow, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you're an adult. You're you're working with CNIB. Are you? So you're you're starting to feel like is your life feeling like it's going in a good direction at that point? How are you feeling about that? Uh wow. Um. I didn't know what to expect from day to day. Right. I just enjoyed being, you know, being there and helping other people with their issues that right. it helps me take my mind off mine. Right. Uh, one thing that I did do uh, while being at CNIB there and uh, in with the, with the whole being at CNIB and also with Neil Squire mm. is I would go to work at probably maybe four or five o'clock in the morning, if not earlier. Right. And I'd make my way to the office because there's no traffic. Ah. Um, so it's just more or less me and everybody who's doing the nightlife out in the street. And I yep. let myself into the building and I would like work at yep. night or something like that. Right. Um, you know, put, putting in my hours, doing my yeah. thing, Yeah. you know, and, um, you know, and then I, I, you know, I would stay there for the rest of my shift too, or just, you know, I had my phone so I could just kind of go. Right. Um, but I would always, I could, I could, the traffic was the problem really? and the intersections were the problem because some of them don't have uh, beeper lights. Um, mm. Like, you know, the, the make the sounds. And sometimes the traffic's so loud, you can't hear it. Some of them are different than others. Wow. Or some some of them are old bulbs versus LED ones. Right. Where you can see well or not see well. Right. And it, you know, you could have a lot of anxiety just going to and from to work. It sounds like there's, you can never trust that the outside world is truly accommodating. That's right. Which I can't and imagine what that would feel like. Yeah. It's frightening. So right. yeah, always to work incredibly early. And if I, and if I could, I would leave, like I may even go into work um, I may go home, um, you know, from work at the, what, what was it like five in the afternoon, right. Come back at maybe nine, 10 or even 12, right. Put in my hours in and go home again. Yeah. Just hitting those dark. quiet hours. Yeah. Yes. To avoid the traffic because you're uh, right. I cannot trust the drivers and, or, <laughs> you know, the traffic lights. Right. Because. Yeah. I mean, the, 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 uh, the, um, sidewalks aren't going to save me. You know, yeah, and 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 I mean that gets back to what you said about all those people that just exist in their houses. It's like no wonder they do. Um, no wonder they do. How would you right. how would you rate like in twenty twenty one? You you still live in St John, right? Well, yes, I do. So you live for people that don't know. It's you know it's a city in New Brunswick. Um, how, how would you rate it? the city and existing in the city right now as it is and and also if you could 
compare if that's even if there's even a past comparison like is it is it like a seven out of ten right now is it a five out of ten and was it worse before I'm, I'm just curious as to what you're if you had to rate that okay uh yes it was worse before because everyone in my family was hit by a car at the same intersection okay all right <laughs> thankfully i wasn't the one who was run down i walked right heard the car coming and immediately stopped on the crosswalk oh no way the as i was stopping you know there's you still get a little forward momentum yeah i brushed up against the car door wow and did a spin and fell on my butt yeah they screeched to a halt you okay oh yeah i'm totally fine no worries yeah and uh you know so thankfully that could have been a lot worse uh my yeah it it my sister was smoked by my two nuns oh, <laughs> oh my god in a car oh bless her sounds like the but, setup I mean, for you know, a joke it's gonna happen to anybody right but that's something I've, i remember so what uh, so it was it was a more poor it was a poorer system before absolutely okay yeah i had so, a car stop right beside my hip once yeah when i was when i was young like oh wow so then in 2021, what would you give it as a rating? If you had to rate the city of, of St. John in terms of accessibility, what would you? Well, it's better. It's better. Um, so before, you know, I, ooh, I wouldn't even really want to give it a three because there was oh. no accessibility. <laughs> no, like this blindness. No, no, no. But there's no such thing. Right. <laughs> you know, blind people are only in the Bible. Right. <laughs> You know, so, that kind of thing. So it was like a one before, now it's like a three? Uh, uh, no, it, 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 I, I might have given it like a three before now, oh, okay. that's if I was generous. Oh, okay. But now I'd probably, I'd still only really give it like a six or a seven. Gotcha. Mostly because there are not beeper lights at every major intersection. Right. Certainly not. And they're not the same and the bulbs aren't changed. Uh, so I found rather than using my monocular sometimes, because usually when you're using a monocular, yeah, chances are somebody's going to want to, and you know, it's just going to take that one person to bop the one end of it and take out the rest of your sight oh. and people will do it. So I hmm. generally don't use my monocular outside, but perhaps inside on occasion. So what I've begun to do is if there's a light and the light's not so dim, like on a sunny day where you can't read it, I'll use my phone you know, with a 50 times zoom or whatever and zoom right up on it. So gotcha. you can see it. Right. If it has no sound, but even then, mm. you know, this yet again, it's eye contact with certain drivers. They could be waving you on. You don't know. Right. You know, and you're just filled with anxiety because you don't know what's going on around you. Other than right. you know where cars are, you know how far they've been and when they're coming, but you, you have no access to the driver's thoughts. Uh-huh. And you don't always hear the sounds if there are any, and you can't always see the lights if, you know, if it's a a new LED bulb or a dim one with the sun's got the glare on the, on the glass. Right. So you can't, you can't tell. So So I hated going to work in the daytime. Absolutely. Right. Cause the lights were harder to see. uh, Yeah. They, they really were, but at nighttime it was quiet. You could Uh see everything. Uh, police are around more often. <laughs> right. Oh, interesting. <laughs> yeah. So it was, it was always just helpful to go to work at night, do my thing, and then, you know, um, leave in the morning. Those accommodations don't even sound that hard to make. Like, how hard is it to, you know, pass law that 
all of the lights at a traffic light have to be of X strength or quality. You know what I mean? It's hard. It's hard because people don't care enough. Yeah, that's yeah. exactly the reason. Yeah. I mean, even the CNIB had to go through a thing about, hey, you know, these guys, you know, don't get the money. They don't have the privilege of driving a car. You know, what about a bus service? Right. And so they're like, that, nah. That's why you need that's why you need the CNIBs and the right, the APSIs and all those and you know, Neil Squire, because it, yes. it's insane. You would think people would would care a little bit more, but it, it does it, it gets a little insane, the cognitive dissonance. That's right. There is no, without, without all these guys, there's no representation. And I think that's, I think that's, that's part of the problem, isn't it? Is that we don't see, you know, you existing in the world because it's not uh, accessible enough and it's not accessible enough because we don't see you in the world. So how do we, you know, how do we change that? That is, uh, that is the dilemma. Right. I think, I, Um, I I think represent through podcasts. Yeah, exactly. That's it. And representation, yeah. um, I think, right? Yes. And I I uh, am so happy about, like, mm-hmm. for places like Tokyo, for instance, mm-hmm. Japan. Mm-hmm. Their accessibility is amazing. Oh, is it really? Absolutely incredible. Hmm. They even have sidewalks with bumpy lanes for people with cane to follow. Uh, so they know when they're on and off certain areas of, the, of various paths. Right. Uh, if you're on the subway train, a guy's there to put a ramp down in case you're in a wheelchair or a cane or anything, they will help you get on and off. Right. Everything. There's someone there to stay with you on the train. If you don't know, you know, all sorts like huh. accessibility out the wazoo. I wonder why that is, Nakia. Why do you think, think they value I, that I so much more? Well, I, I think that again, they're aware yeah. of it. Um, and uh, I knew, I knew there's some other part of it. There's, um, are they an aging population where they have a lot of? Yes, they are. Oh, okay. Uh, in fact, their um, the birth rate is is uh, is not a thing in Japan right now. So yeah, I knew that. Worry about their culture. Exactly. You know. Yeah. That's right. So I guess that could be a major factor. But though in Saint John, a yeah. lot of the youth also is leaving, which leaves us with a you know with a, a aged uh, citizenry. Interesting. So maybe maybe that'll eventually push for change here too. Right, right. Yeah, I think I think it I think it does. Um, it, un, as unfortunate as it is, right? It's like, mm-hmm. oh, okay, we're ready to listen to you now that you're dis- disabled because you're old, not right. because you've been disabled forever. That's right. Yeah, <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it is interesting, our, our thoughts. And I, and I was kind of, th- I'm kind of thinking that uh, representation in, in mm-hmm. Hollywood um, is going to really help that and i'm noticing more and more uh roles that are going to people with disabilities that's happening a lot more um i don't know if you've seen hereditary you know the the little girl in that movie has uh, a physical i'm not sure some kind of birth you know uh birth difference but Hmm. just where hollywood would not have cast that girl even five ten years ago you were right about that and because they did, it made that movie so much better, so much more impactful. I mean, that little girl, uh, she's an amazing actress. I can't remember her mm-hmm. name. Um, but I have seen so many um, fake blind people in movies. It must <laughs> drive you crazy. It irritates the poop. Does it? it really does. I'm really? like, you are not blind. 
So it's very, it's very, I mean, you know, forget knowing the actor, but is it just that obvious? It is terribly obvious. Yes, it is. And yeah, I don't know actors through a hole in a wall. I don't, Oh, okay. which is actually really good for me because I take the story as it is. Oh, good. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. But yeah, you can really tell. Uh, so they're hamming it up like you when the, when you had to call the cops when you were a younger lad. Well, I hammed it up for real, though. Right. And <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, right. I, I knew the mannerisms of it. Right. They're hamming it up without knowing. Yes. And it's, <laughs> and it's awful. It, it reminds you, uh, the only way to explain it is like a Jackie Chan, uh, you know, half a loaf of Kung Fu with bad dubbing. Right. Right. You it know, just feels off. It feels off, like way uh, off. Yeah, and it, it must it must feel so insulting almost to be like it is insulting. Ah, exactly. <laughs> yes, it is. Right. I, I don't mean or wish to be offended. Right. It just it takes me out of my the suspension of disbelief that you're trying to sow here. Right. Is lost because it, of this particular actor. Yeah, and and you're not a and you're not a person that gets a, so I know if you're bothered by it, then it's a it's a legitimate uh, concern. You're not a <laughs> yes. person that's that's bothered by a lot, but I, I feel that's been shifting a little bit and, and I love to see that. Well, there's one thing I'd like to mention yeah, that I find please. very off about yeah. assistive technology. Yeah. Um, it's all wonderful, but the, a cost, the cost of acquiring said technology is horrendous. That's a, that's a great subject to bring up. Yeah. Here's the thing. Yeah. Uh, in order for me to say have a uh, or can be my eyes yeah. or yeah. You know, something along that line. Yeah. No. And I mentioned this to my eye doctor. I said, it is easier for me to get a VR uh, DJI drone. Right. And see from perspectives I've never could have dreamed of. How interesting. And fly that thing around and hover it in front of that light and use that. Right. Than it is for me to get a piece of technology. I could buy that for what? Like under a thousand dollars where the or cam is about three or four thousand exactly why right. is this not assistive technology very assistive and yet i cannot get i cannot afford it's just so completely out of reach right you know yeah it, that's it's, it's very mm -hmm. strange and and, and that's a, is a great assistive technology and that's such a valid um complaint too or criticism not really a complaint and it's something mm. that you know, at Neil Squire and through the AT help desk, we're all about making sure that we don't give people the expensive options that they can't afford. But that's I, great that you brought that up because also think about, you know, what are the job opportunities like for people that need the expensive equipment? Mm -hmm. And I do respect the manufacturers that go through the effort of R and D making all this stuff. I very appreciate that. Of course, there's no there's no getting around that. Like utmost respect. Yeah, I don't think it's their fault. Yeah, it's just the cost is 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 uh, I, unreachable. Exactly. And here's and here's the question, right? It's if if Tesla can be subsidized to the point where you know they pay zero taxes and they have tens of millions in subsidies. Why can't governments just choose to subsidize assistive technology? And they do, there are programs and, you know, later on down the road, we'll, we'll talk more about them, but I, I just mean it, make it even easier. Just really grab the concept of, well, what would happen if we provided 
10 people in this city with an Orcam my eye how much more productive could they be and what would come as a result of that investment in people from just one just my own perspective one is i don't go into grocery stores right i don't right and i don't go into malls Uh not alone and Uh i'd like to Mm -hmm. um but i wouldn't be able to find my way around even in grocery stores that have the signs on the top i can't read those right um also looking down the aisles it's like strips of rainbow colors going down the sides and i would have to memorize everything and they change the problem is is, yes that's the problem Uh (laughs) and without something that can that can be quickly and intuitively reading to you as you're scanning right you're going to be there forever there's almost no point it isn't to say that i can't go to the counter and ask for assistance sure but they may not have it available at the time. Of course. And it, well, especially uh, pr- now during COVID. Um, yes. I, I guess you wouldn't know, but going in grocery store, there's like two cash registers open or three. They're way understaffed. I, I went into Walmart the other day and they did not have a cart available, I believe, because they oh, didn't wow. have enough people to clean the carts on time. So and I won't even be able to tell which registers open. Can't right? Tell. No, exactly. Yeah. So to, to think that... It, that would work for you is crazy. Yes. Yes. And I, and yet again, it's just not accessible. So with a product like an, uh, or can my eye, which, which can you tell the audience just a brief summary of what that product is in case they don't know? Oh yes. Yeah. It's, um, hmm. It's, it's a little, uh, kind of a rectangular device that clips onto the side of your glasses. It has a speaker and a camera in it, and it's an intelligent device that is able to understand uh, hand gestures and verbal responses, and it can tell you what's in front of you, whether it be a a color you're looking for, depending on your request, like what color is that, or uh, uh, what does this say, or if you point at this this thing it'll tell you what it says like you can understand those gestures right or if you just look at something long enough it just perceives that you're staring at it and it will you know read it back to you it's a very intuitive little device that just sees for you and reads for you of course significantly reducing any eye strain of you trying to focus and uh, Mm -hmm. the range of vision on it you know is is quite you know it can see far and read well can it yes yeah i've i've looked at the device it seems like an incredible piece of equipment and that it would probably be pretty life-changing it yes and any assistive technology is right (laughs) right um yeah so what do you see what do you see as a possible solution to having a situation where more products like that or can my eye could be in people's hands uh uh, if I if I could to, to clarify that, please, please, uh, yeah. Um, I mean, like for you to clarify that question a little bit, oh, narrow it down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I guess. Do you see any kind of initiatives or any kind of uh, approaches that could change the way we have access to that? Like one thing I would I could think of off the top of my head is with open source technology and 3d printing maybe that could be one avenue where inexpensive or relatively inexpensive assistive technology could become you know produced yes and that's already happening with uh with prosthetic limbs 
Oh yeah, that's probably huge with 3D printing, isn't it? It is, it is. And um, for example, there, uh, besides the Orc can be my eyes mm-hmm. and uh, apps like Envision, which are mm-hmm. kind of like that. Yep. And which only requires your phone. Um, then the camera can operate like a handheld version of that device. Right. At a significantly lower cost, of course. But yet again, you're not going to meet a blind person that's going to want to hold their phone in front of them out in public. It's just not a thing we're we're willing to do because, um, you know, somebody could just snap it out of your hand. Right. And because once they leave your line of sight, that's it. Uh, You've lost your phone. Right. And because you're people too, you have a sense of, of, uh, you know, wanting to belong and, and, you know, mm-hmm. the, the same thing that every even able-bodied person goes through their head. You've, you've uh, got that too, right? The one company that's true. And the one, there's a, there's a something called we walk, which is a cane for the blind, but right. it also has a touchpad on it. That Bluetooth links with your phone. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it allows you to navigate the gestures you would normally make on your phone. So you can keep your phone in your pocket Oh. and then just use the gestures on the top of the cane and the, and the cane itself has haptics. Ooh. So we can tell which height of something that you may be approaching. Right. You know, things like that. Yeah. Uh, it's just a new, it's a new cane for a new generation with built-in maps, you know, all of this to assist you getting around. Yeah, I remember looking at it and what's, what's the yeah. retail for that? I, well, see, that's reasonable. Uh, that's Is like, it? at least it's like, it's $500. Okay. Yeah. So that's, that's, in, well, that's at least within reach. That's a couple of months saved up or what have you. It's right. At least it's within your grasp. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. I remember looking at that, that product. That's a really interesting one too. I mm. think that's gonna, I think that's gonna have a lot of implications in the future. Probably when you think about it, our, our next generation of cane users, probably the vast majority of canes are going to be smart canes, aren't they? That yes, and they would absolutely have to be because the conventional mm-hmm. street, especially on on our uh, city, our city uh, sidewalks, you know, being an old city, St. John's yes. pretty old. Yes. Uh, you know, you're if you have a conventional cane and you don't have a wheel on it, which you know I don't always recommend because well, it doesn't move from side to side very easily. Right. You know, so it's almost like your peripheral vision if you're not tapping from side to side, you're you've lost that sense. Right. Uh, but without a wheel you're not able to navigate the sidewalks well at all unless you're moving at a snail's pace because you'll catch your cane every time. Ah, uh, interesting. You just will. Right. And there, and if, for example, in the summertime where you have overbrush that's, you know, impeding the sidewalk space, you take branches in the face. <laughs> right. Yeah, there was even a time where I was walking and uh, thankfully I was with somebody because I just finished getting back from a doctor's appointment and I had drops in my eyes, so I wasn't using my eyes, uh. Uh, using my cane, and there was a manhole lid off. Oh no! I could have died, man. Oh wow! Uh, So, uh, thankfully, I was with someone, and we found uh, a cop that was. And I, you know, I walked over to the window, and uh, knocked on the window. And they, they seemed because I was close enough to at least see their face. They seemed like they were kind of like shocked that somebody just rolled up to them. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) And I explained my situation. I said, you know, I'm with this person. And uh, we walked down this particular sidewalk and, and had I not been with this person, I probably would have died. Right. There, like, there's an uncovered manhole without anything around it or covering it. Nothing. It's just open. Oh my God. That was that's... pretty frightening. Yeah. Yeah. That's insane. Did he, did I've he seem to take you, there. <laughs> did he seem to take you seriously? Was he, was he? Oh yeah. They, yeah they, before we came back from Tim Hortons again, yeah. that was covered. Oh good. The pylons up. Oh so they good. Were quick. 
Oh, I was gonna say someone someone got uh, got got a yelling at. I would say, huh? Oh, perhaps so. Uh-huh. I have no idea where the manhole lid went, yeah. but from what I understand, uh, the kids are collecting them nowadays. I don't understand. Very cool. Very <laughs> cool. <laughs> um, so yeah. So so speaking of kids, we're uh, we're we're back in our timeline. We're uh, well, you're not quite a kid anymore. You're at CNIB. You're because. I, you know, and you were still, you know, 15 years away from, from meeting. So what kind of, what went on after that, after you started working at CNIB, what was, what was going on in your life after that? Oh, well, this is after that. I started applying by applying for other jobs on my own. Okay, cool. You know, uh, with various other, uh, companies with, um, very like really not good levels of success. Right. Um, I was even accused by one letter that I received back that that said I swore during the interview. Okay. I always record my interviews. Right. <laughs> and uh, yeah, that didn't happen. But basically, it was just a way to, you know, to disqualify you from the job. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like I, I, I knew the work. I knew it all. Um, so yeah, basically, uh, with many attempts, it was, it was, uh, I, I can't say it wasn't disheartening, but I guess I felt that it was expected. Okay. It's, it was like, of course. Right. So you, you know, really I, struggled to find work in your fields. Yes. Mm. Yeah. How, how um, long did that go on for? Oh, uh, a couple of years. Yeah. Yeah. It was tough. Yeah. I imagine. And then eventually I found a job at Cytel uh, in the Microsoft division. Ah. Now, because it was Microsoft, and I already knew the Microsoft Labyrinth, you know, uh-huh. very well. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there are times they're like, okay. Um, I said, what is my limit? Like, where do I have to draw the line as to where I have to stop helping them? Right. Because my my level of Microsoft is ridiculous. Ah. <laughs> yeah. So where do I have to stop supporting them and send them off to a level that's higher than me? Right. Uh, but eventually it got to the point where they're not answering for some reason, you know, the Microsoft phone labyrinth is just as bad as a website labyrinth. Yeah. (laughs) So eventually I'd get these people back and I just help them anyway. Uh, Okay. Gotcha. And so, and how long did you do that for? Uh, That was a three, that was three years, I believe. Okay. It was like Microsoft supplemental parts. And then we had all these other subdivisions in the the Microsoft labyrinth that we continued to do. Did you like that? I really, really enjoyed that. Yeah. Yeah. That was a lot of fun. Because <laughs> that was exactly what you went to school for as well, right? That's right. So mm-hmm. you were just supporting others, you know, emphasizing with all the trouble they're going through, whether it be through the telephone system or dealing with a particular product or service. Right. You know, helping them get through that. And thankfully, I received all the irate calls because I wanted them. Ah, uh, which was you, great. you were the chill daddy. Yep. So I was able to handle them. <laughs> and plus all of the... Uh, uh, TTY calls and uh, because if people don't want their call line numbers and times to go off, I didn't care. I never put right. anybody on hold. Right. Uh, because to me, uh, that is like taking away their sight uh, because they can't see people and then they have to hang on the line and listening. And they go, that's, that's me in a nutshell. I'm listening. I'm going to keep you on the line. I'm not going to put you on hold. Right. I right. can multitask. I'm used to doing this. Yeah. <laughs> Right. So that was a help for them. So I would get all the irate calls and all of the calls, uh, like, uh, um, I go, we're running, um, jaws on Microsoft, right. But I don't know how to get serial numbers so I can get something read back to me. 
Right. And they didn't know how to do certain things. And, you know, my manager would be like, well, you can't support the Jaws. <laughs> right. Say, well, I have to support the Jaws to tell them how to slow down Jaws so that I can hear the serial number. Uh, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Give and take a little bit because this blind guy who was on the other, other line didn't want to be put on hold. And I told him, you're talking to a visually impaired guy. I'm not going to put you on hold, bro. Uh, you've, you've just got the best person you can possibly get. That's right. So I'm the only one here who's visually impaired that understands what you're going through. Don't right. worry. Yeah. I'm going to help you with all of this. He's like, oh, thank God. Right. <laughs> He's somebody who can relate to me. Yeah, exactly. And so you like, did yeah, that. I understand. Yeah. So you did that for a few years. And then, and so like, are we, are we getting close to. Yeah, when... We're getting close. That's, <laughs> that's for sure. Yeah. 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 Then there was a time where Microsoft went away, which made me sad. Ah, what do you mean by that? Uh, they well they they Just moved the to, they moved their place their, their whole business to another landmass. I see, I see. Right. So like, okay. So you couldn't physically be there anymore. I cu- it couldn't. Right. No. Right. So uh, so I I was still at Cytel, but yeah. Uh, there was another division. They didn't just want me to like leave. Right. Because you still know how to handle the irate people, so we right. don't want you to leave. Right. So okay, no problem. And plus, there were people who had uh, handicaps calling for uh, this other division I was at, which was Europro. Mm. Um, basically, they handle all the shark uh, vacuums and all of the ninja blenders. <laughs> so you yeah. have people calling who don't read their manuals. Yes. Right? And they don't realize, oh, I got a new blender and it's not working and they are losing it. Oh, Yeah. And it, you, normally the issue is, hey, well, you know, uh, this is a, uh, you know, you know, it's an electronic device. It's not just you put the lid on and it starts. You have to put the lid on a certain way. There's zeros on the lid. And there's I was about the, to say, I have a ninja and you have to put it in a very specific lock. That's it exactly very... right. Yep. And you get these women from the South. They're so happy. <laughs> oh, glory, sweet Jesus. Uh... It's working. Thank the Lord. Like, yeah. yeah, there we go. <laughs> you know, i love that love moment that. too i love that moment too of having having it work yeah that's the best <laughs> and they're so thankful but probably not as fulfilling as being a microsoft wizard it 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 wasn't i mean no. it was ba- this stuff was such basic electronics yeah. vacuums blenders all uh-huh. this it was so basic yeah and you're walking through the process in case their vacuum sucked up a sock Right, you know, and it's in the U of the of the the vacuum pipe and things like that. So you go through the process of troubleshooting what might be stuck where. Hilarious, you know, trying to figure that out. Uh, yeah, so it you know it wasn't as fulfilling, but what made right. it special is is just still the the gratitude that people had when you helped them with their issues. Right, exactly. That never fails to be you know a good a good reason to to do the job as it is as it is here right it's right very fulfilling when you're helping people out and they're just they're thankful right exactly and so so that seems like that type of work would be a good match for someone with visual impairments as well right mm-hmm. the nature Absolutely. of you know being behind the computer kind of remotely using your voice to walk people through things that kind of sounds fairly ideal yeah because to me people are voices right a lot right. of the time so being able to immediately relate and empathize and understand exactly how they're feeling just on how they uh, how they emote with their voice they're just right. and you're able to tap into that immediately <laughs> mm-hmm. oh. yeah so it's like they're there even though they feel 
that they're not because they're used to seeing. Right. So probably for you, yeah, when you're talking to someone on the phone, you feel like they're way more there than, you know, yes. I might. Right. Yeah. I mean, to me, you're right here. Right. That's really interesting. I that's I'm yeah. really glad we we brought that up. That's a really yeah, cool the, the distance doesn't matter. Mm. Yeah, that's again something you wouldn't appreciate feeling as an able-bodied person that just that idea of uh of how you feel uh essences of people differently yes um so you did so you were helping the southern ladies with their vacuums and ninjas for for a bit and then then what uh what happened after that oh what happened after that is uh something happened uh in my relationship was sent me for a very serious loop over time. Ah, gotcha. <laughs> now, but I was going to say, now we hadn't mentioned that you uh, you were in a, you were in a relationship with someone and uh, also had children at some point in this timeline, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, um, two boys. Yeah, and they have autism, um, which was, you know, it, in a way it kind of worked out because yet again, it's these children have barriers. Right. And I understand what it what it means to have barriers. Right. And uh, I would overcome mine, so I would help them overcome theirs. And I would right. use technology to help them and encourage them to uh, practice their speech mm. and to practice uh, communicating using other methods if they are having difficulty trying to get the right words out. Right. So it sounds like you were already so solutions oriented. That's right that it didn't matter that they had different challenges. You already knew how to think about solving those challenges. That's exactly right. Uh, And Mm -hmm. I mean, this is a very broad question, but you know, what's it like being a dad, uh, you know, as a person with, with low vision, like when you, when you think of your, of your boys, do you also think of them as voices? Do you, how do you perceive them? Well, I'm always, I'm always uh, like, uh, always very affectionate with my kids. So I'm always good, like, you good. Know, touching them, hugging them, loving them. I started out with very simple things like putting, putting a keychain on their, uh, on their belt. Okay. So when they ran around the playground, I could always hear where they were. Uh-huh. You know? Yeah. Just simple things like that. And then eventually these Bluetooth trackers came into being, and then I, I would put them. Uh-huh. And then I could follow them with my phone if I needed to, or I could just send off the alarm on the device to make a noise so I knew that they were still handy. Right. Yeah. And how old are they? How old are they now? Uh, One is 10 and one is 15. Wow. That's wild. (laughs) And so, so that's interesting. So, uh, and I'm glad I asked that about how you pictured them then. So it almost sounds like because they're your kids and Mm -hmm. you can be so physically affectionate with them and close to them that, that maybe you kind of, you, do you feel that, that physical more than with other people? Like, do you know what I'm trying to get at where I'm a voice? Are they more than a voice? Uh, Must be mm-hmm. different. Must be that, different. That is, that is different be, because, you know, when I'm with them, I'm always touching them. Uh-huh. Um, whereas like you're there, but it's, it's still the same meaningful connection. Right, right. Yeah. So it's, it's yet again, it's like, you're no more than three feet away from me. Right. Right. Yeah. So it's, it's like, there's, there's still that continued, uh, uh, intimacy level. It's just, I'm not touching you, but I'm touching you with my voice. Right. So you're being touched. Right. Exactly. (laughs) So, so, you know, suffice to say there's, 
there was a period of, you know, growing a family, dealing with relationship stuff, et cetera, et cetera, as we all, uh, as we all go through. And, uh, and then, so, so then it kind of sounds like, did you kind of feel like you had to sort of um, find your, find your way over again as a single dad a little bit or? Yeah, it felt like, um, well, dealing with the, you know, the emotional weight of all of that. Right. And still trying to, uh, still trying to work and things like that. And I wanted to drown myself in my work. So I didn't think about it too much because it was just such a burden on my heart. Right. Uh, but then eventually it got to the point where I was working and then I immediately just kind of, there was a call that came in and uh, I finished the call and then I immediately put my phone on pause and just stared at the screen and I didn't, I wasn't there anymore. Right. Uh, something had happened. Mm-hmm. And then uh, my manager came over and said something and I just fell apart. I was done. Uh Yeah. Yeah, something that's it's yeah, that yeah. was it. <laughs> yeah. You were done like emotionally you broke down. Yeah, that was it. Yeah. Yeah. So like and then like, you know, had to get me to the office and talked about everything that yeah. had happened and all mm-hmm. the other stuff. And yeah. And I worked there, you know, for uh, a little while more when I when I came back. But then after that, like the there was just so much happening in the relationship. And um I managed to, you know, uh have a a counselor like a, a therapist of mm-hmm. sorts to be able to talk to and i was able to get him he he would talk to me for free which was wonderful that is uh which was a great help throughout all the stuff i was going through oh my god yeah yeah needed that vital mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. and uh you know eventually um i did leave uh Europro to finally get myself settled uh, you know, into a place and try to get, you know, my head back on straight. Right. And uh, when I was finally ready to go back, um, that is where I pursued like getting, you know, getting another job again. I right. need, I want to do something. It'll also help, you know, normalize my life. Right. <laughs> yeah. And then, uh, you know, eventually um, I was, you know, back at the CNIB doing CNIB stuff. Right. And um and then it was uh, through this with a work program. Yeah. And uh, Neil Squire, you know, came into my life. Right. <laughs> yeah. I was like, yeah, this, this is down the same road that I've always lived. It's perfect. Cause I'm right. It's, it's, it's computers, but it's also disability things. I understand. Yeah. Um, you know, things I deeply associate with on a day-to-day level tech and yeah. uh, people with issues. Yeah. And that's, and that is something, you know, that that's a good kind of uh, advertisement for Neil Squire in general, where, you know, those programs and I've taken advantage as an able-bodied person, you know, I've taken advantage of, of programs as well uh, to, you know, to get me in the door in places. It's, it's a necessary thing. It's something more people should take advantage of. Uh, mm-hmm. And, you know, as a message to pe- anybody with, with disabilities that's listening, you know, contact us uh, and ask us about any kind of programs that we can have because, you know, we've got, of course, Nakia. Uh, we have an awesome gentleman from Syria, Nadim, who's working with us right now. And he came through a program as well. Like those, those programs are amazing and they can really help give people big opportunities, I think. And not only that, but make the organization better for it. Yes. I mean, I a hundred percent know that Neil Squire is better for having you 
for having your perspective. So, uh, and I think that's a, I think that's a fairly universal idea. I think that mm -hmm. it doesn't matter what your organization is focused on having people with disabilities and different perspectives is always going to be a, a net benefit. Absolutely. It's very true. And I'm, I'm a very, very thankful to be a part of Neil Squire because it is, it is like, it's a love for me mm. and I love to be able to help people and uh, I can completely relate to what they're going through. Yeah, exactly. So ease their hearts even, even a little, you know, it means a lot to me and, uh, and, and, and naturally not just because of my love attack and this, but it, it, it the, it, it's encouraging and it, it keeps you going to know that you're, you know, you're serving a community of people that has generally been rejected over, over the past. Right. Uh, and I, and now, mm -hmm. you know, there is representation. Exactly. And, and I mean, to tie this all back to the, you know, day of uh, International Day of Disabilities, like that, that day was first declared in 92. So, you know, it wasn't even, you know, you were already alive, you were already a person with a personality, a life, you were a, you know, a teenager, let's say, I, I would imagine by that yeah. point. So you'd already your formative years, all that that's already all happened before the very first time that I, that was actually recognized as a day. Yes. So now that, um, that people are aware of it, take advantage of it. Like there are benefits I didn't have. And right. there are some that were there that were not fully, like fully grown or developed, I should say. Right. So it's like, we were all in the experimental phase during that time. And, and now, you know, um, it's flourishing. There's representation now and people should absolutely take advantage of it. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And I think I've, we've kind of said that in a roundabout way, but it's like, take advantage of programs, opportunities, grants, bursaries, the idea that, and we all have that instinct, or I know I do sometimes the idea that taking advantage of programs or whatever, uh, you know, makes you lesser or is something you should be ashamed of is so insane you know, we're, we're living in this world where, uh, you know, we're all kind of struggling or not, I don't want to say we're all struggling, but people are, are struggling uh, to find their way. And, you know, it's not always easy to break through the system and find success. And so, That's true. you know, any of programs that are being offered, you know, whether it's through Neil Squire, uh, APSI, or, you know, CNIB, all those organizations, like we all should take advantage, able-bodied people that suffer from mental health, uh, you know, physical disabilities, all of it. We just need to put our, put our shame aside a little bit, don't we? We need to do that more. Yes. Uh, and that's exactly, that's a good word too, because that's kind of what it was. I knew that it wasn't my fault. Right. But at the same time, I was so different from them and uh, they would either A, bully you or completely ignore you. So right. you obviously knew immediately that you were different. So why? And that's the funny thing too, is we have this perspective of, oh, what are people going to think about me when I ask for help? But then when you are the person giving help, how does it feel? It feels nothing but good and that you're happy yeah. to help the other person. So it's like, Absolutely. it's so easy for us to be so hard on ourselves about that and but not realize that when you see it from the other perspective you're always or at least I know I am I'm happy to help the other person I you oh, know yes. it makes me feel good so it's like yeah we've got to uh we've got to try and cast aside this uh idea of oh I'm just going to do it all on my own and and that's it 
So thanks for running through your life a little bit there, Nikia. And I think as we keep talking, I'll probably come back to certain things because, uh, you know, I, I kind of uh, went through some of the timeline, but there's, there's lots more stuff to get into. And you mentioned, you mentioned uh, be my eyes and we walk and, and we didn't really spend a lot of time getting really technical this episode, but that is something that I'd like to do in the future. Um, so for, for those listeners that heard an app or feature mentioned, know that we will probably get into it in further detail later on down the road. But for now, you know, we wanted, I wanted to paint a bit of a picture, certainly of Nakia's life. And, and, you know, my vision was on this international day of persons with disabilities. Let's just really have a one-on-one with a person who's lived with a disability their whole life and uh, just kind of dive in there. So I'm sorry if I asked any dumb questions. Oh, no, I, no I such hope. thing. Okay. I'm, I'm sure you probably, uh, you probably get that a lot or, or, or do you, you know, you're probably, ha- I hope you're happy to answer those questions. It seems like you well, are. I am very happy. Uh, yeah. And I, I'm, I have heard, I've heard them all. Good. Okay. So I would be surprised if you did answer, uh, if you did uh, throw one my way, cause I'd have something new to add. Right. <laughs> Yeah, I suppose no, but... w- once you hear the are can blind people be attractive, the bar is set so low. That <laughs> you absolutely that's a, that's a, that's right. You nailed it. It's going to be hard to get worse than that. Okay. Yeah. How do you eat? How do you brush your teeth? Like, uh, you, how do you know which way's up? And I like mean, all and sorts of really strange questions. That's funny. Yeah, that's really funny. And and but again, you probably I would imagine and tell me if I'm wrong, you probably would rather questions than people just ignore you because they're afraid to offend you. Yes, probably by yes. so much more. Right. Yeah. And that's why whenever I meet new people, they're like, you know, you know, when they go like, what can I call you? That's an open book. So you can call me blind guy or blindy or oh, whatever. You, like, I don't care. Right, You're not going right. to hurt my feelings. Right, uh, right. But of course, you know, <laughs> they won't because they don't want to be rude uh-huh. or they don't want to get sued. <laughs> <laughs> right. Because <laughs> right. they don't they don't know what you're thinking all the time or maybe they feel you're being sarcastic. I'm like, no, no, I don't. I don't mind. Right. You know, yeah, because whatever you whatever you want. Yeah, because because when you're when you're talking like the way that we might talk as friends or, you know, in an informal way, like on a podcast saying a person uh, with visual impairments, it's a bit wordy, isn't it? Right. So it's, it's, yeah. it's probably, uh, but it's almost like that's the funny thing, isn't it? Where, why do we even need to almost mention it? it it's just, it's funny that we live in a world where we feel the need to define that where really it's like, why does it even matter what, you know what I'm trying to get at where, it's like, I'm just a human and we're all humans with certain challenges. So just call well, me, a, just call me Nikia. We, we have this predilection for having to label things. So we, we can, do, we, we need do. to identify it so we can put it in a, we can compartmentalize it. And it's not malicious. It's just trying to figure the world out. Yeah. I mean, I know everybody processes things different ways. Right. And then, but then some people deal with things in different ways too, whether good or bad. So yeah. people are people. And I understand yeah. that. Yeah. Oh, that's good. Well, I, I hope you uh, understand that as we continue our discussions together. And I uh, hopefully don't put my foot in my mouth too much. 
if you do well, I'll, I'll let you know when you have. Perfect. And then we can, <laughs> we can, we can just laugh at it and make fun of me and then move on. And that's, that's absolutely. Yeah. It. I, I want to be made fun of too. I don't, I can't have you having all the fun. Uh, that's right. Okay. I'll work on that. All right. <laughs> I'll, I'll have a roast prepared for you for next time, buddy. Oh, sweet. <laughs> all right. Well, thanks a lot for your time today. This was really fun, Nikia. Oh, thoroughly enjoyable. Yes. Yeah. Really, uh, really great way to celebrate International Persons with Disabilities Day. And I mm -hmm. hope you have an awesome rest of your day. And you I look forward well. to talking to you later.